It's Infinity Rewatch. It's what if. What if. I don't even know what if. Because today some crazy things happen on what if. Uh, and we need to go over them because they are fierce. I'm Andrew Fantasia. What's up? I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. This is dark. This is this is Disney went to the darkest realm. You know, uh, the cauldron, the dark cauldron is what it's called. You thought that was dark? You were wrong. You were so horribly, horribly wrong. Dead this was the wrong. darkest Marvel experience I have seen to date. This will be a day that will live on in infamy. What what is it? August twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. Okay, we had Bambi's mom dying. We yeah. had Chernabog the Devil Man in Fantasia stirring up ghosts on Bald Mountain, and now we have this. Uh, this was this was a really cool episode because, to me, it's the one that felt most like one of the movies. Maybe it's because just like the team was there, or whatever. But I was having trouble figuring out. Well, maybe you can help me out here because I feel like this is something we should try to nail down off the top. What is the what if question that Uatu is asking here? Is it what if uh, Hank was angry? Like, what's the question he's asking? Because I feel like that was something I was struggling to figure out throughout the whole thing. And it never really felt like it was answered for me. Ooh, you know, this brings up an interesting question. (laughs) besides the obvious one. Um, Because... What is the rest of that question, right? Um, and I think that will be the show, to be honest with you. I think the last episode will answer the rest of that question. What? Explain yourself. This is intriguing. Think about it. Okay, think about it. I, th- this is one of these like Marvel epiphany moments that we've had in the show past tense uh, during these Disney Plus experiences. And so I'm going to say what I like about your question is is that I think that's the last episode or like the 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 big thing that's going to expand the universe is the rest of the what if question. Like okay. for example like uh, I can't even think about it but like I can't think about I can't think about a better way to describe it other than saying like you know uh what if this is the last like, what if this is the last way or something like, what if this is the last time you will feel comfortable in your world? Like, you know what I mean? Like something like that, mm-hmm. where it's just like, he's asking this question where you're, he's, he, the, the show's end line is the theme. Um, uh, let's ponder the question. What if, right? That's the whole thing. Like there's realm of infinite possibilities, massive universe, I am sure. a watcher. I see all these things. Um, so go with me on this journey as we ponder the question, what if? And it's kind of like one of those things is like, you know, um, what if something is coming your way? And this is what I've seen of it. You know what I mean? Um, wow. That's that's kind of like what I feel like where it's going. And I, that's why I feel like your question is actually really interesting. That would be a very cool um kind of like lane change for this show to take it in this direction where it's not just a fun little anthology, but it kind of gives us something to really ponder because so far it's been straightforward as I am. I've never read a what if comic, but I imagine they're the same thing. It all just hinges on a single question per comic. You know, what if 
Peggy Carter stayed in the room? And then what if, you know, Yondu sent those guys to go pick up uh, Chris Pratt and he made a mis- they made a mistake and, you know, we get T'Challa instead. It's that little catalyst that hinges on it. She's like, I will stay here in this room. Yondu's like, I won't go. I'll send my, my lackey to go. And that changes everything. And here I was trying to figure out what's our catalyst. And the only thing I could think of was hope was somehow recruited by shield, even though we never really see it happen. Um, And we get an interesting journey, but you know, the whole time I'm thinking what changed, what in this universe changed to make things turn out the way they did. And if the Mm. show goes the way you're thinking, Ryan, where it's like that becomes part of the fun, not knowing right away. And instead, you know, having this thing where it, it's like it, week by week, it kind of steers you into more and more uncertain waters. I think that would be a really cool way to spice this show up. Not that it even needed spicing up because it was, it's a brand new show, but to give it uh, like a kind of flair, uh, almost make a game out of it. Yeah, I, it kind of feels that way. I mean, the whole point, I feel like the whole point of the watcher doing this is he's trying to teach you something. He's trying to, he's trying to teach whoever he's talking to something. Mm. Uh, but again, I don't know if we need to look at it at that level, but at the same time, in terms of breaking the fourth wall, which is, I think kind of, I think is kind of the obvious thing that they're doing is they're talking to the audience and saying, at this point, it doesn't matter what you know, because any decision can change the whole outcome of the MCU. And that's, I feel that's this kind of staple that they've done with what if is, is they're really trying to get you to comprehend that we are far past this happened in the comics. So it should happen in the movie. We are way beyond that. There's, there's, we are. And I, I even said it previously in a previous podcast. I don't know which one specifically, but I even said it. I'm like, at this point, Marvel after after I think it was Endgame I think it was when I said it at this point there's there's no compass to navigating the MCU because the whole point is now we are in unfamiliar territory as we continue to progress forward even with Fantastic Four uh, and like eventually eventually the mutants if we get it Ching. Uh, we're not going to see a iteration of those characters that we'll be familiar with. We'll still be able to go like, you know, I think they're inspired by this, but we will not know what the event will be. You know what I mean? Like Civil War, we know where that comic's coming from. We know the kind of story arc they're going to go with. So we kind of have a general idea. But I think at this point, especially with this What If show, is just you know forget it forget it we're we got the reins of this now and we broke the mcu so we could we now have every reason to change characters as we see fit because we have now gotten you the viewers comfortable enough where we can make these changes and and feel that you will still love what we have to provide exactly that's a beautiful point like they have earned that right now uh to the point where you know I don't think I've heard a single like diehard comic fan complain about, oh, they didn't do Enchantress right. 
why isn't her name Enchantress and why doesn't she love Thor? Hmm. Hashtag not my Enchantress. Like we didn't hear any of that hashtag going on. Hashtag not my Enchantress. <laughs> <laughs> I think that should be a hashtag. <laughs> in, any, in any future Marvel project, hashtag not my insert character. I think that should be a hashtag. And, ha- and yeah. Hashtag Shilvy. I don't like this shill for Disney propaganda. Uh, <laughs> no, they they have definitely quieted down. And you're right; we have they've eased us into this sense of acceptance because that is the MCU is a giant what if, like you said, it's a it's a a change of course from what happened in the books. And yeah. I, for one, am really glad that that's the case because I don't want a beat for beat retelling of any comic book. I don't. I don't think I've ever read a comic that was worthy of that with the exception of maybe Watchmen. Like that's literally it. Like I don't, I don't, I'm glad that civil war played out the way it did because if they had done beat for beat civil war from the comic, fine. That's a great comic, but you know what? Then we would, then they'd have to struggle to tell us why speedball is there or whoever those, those young, uh, was it young adventures or new or new mutants? Who are the, the guys who young, the young Avengers, the young Avengers. Yeah. They have to struggle to tell us why those people are there that have to be like, Oh, here's Punisher now. And we would have lost out on one of the greatest Baron Zemo stories ever. Mm-hmm. Um, all just what, for the sake of making it exactly like Bendis wrote it. Like, no, thank you. We don't, we don't need that. That already exists and it's great. And it's there if we need it. Uh, this gives us, the freedom and the freedom of surprise. Uh, like we were just talking about the fast and the furious before we recorded. There's a franchise that is based off of nothing. So literally every time a new movie comes out, you don't know where the hell they're going to take it. Apparently I haven't seen F9, but apparently they literally take it to outer space. So you are, you, it is a complete blank slate and I want the films uh, in the MCU to kind of echo that just because a film comes out and it's got, you know, Hulk's name in the title. I don't want that to automatically tell me, okay, Bruce Banner is going to be throwing tanks and fighting Thunderbolt Ross. Like one of the great beauty, I was going to say surprises, but it was, you know, given away in the trailer. One of the great beautiful parts of Thor three was that Hulk was a major character in it. Uh, And that's something that they, really had to, like you said, they had to earn it. They had to ease us into that whole process of saying, this is not what the old superhero movies were, where you're just, you're getting what you're getting and you're, well, and you're... yeah, actually, I think I, in terms of a case study, I think that one of the things that you kind of identified really well was the Thor movie and then having Hulk in it and, and saying that this is not a traditional story because this is not planet Hulk. That's mm. what everyone said. Thor Ragnarok is Planet Hulk yes. plus Thor Ragnarok. And that's not exactly what we got, to be honest with you. I mean, the only thing that related it to Planet Hulk was Korg and the gladiator scene. Like, that's that's literally it. There's nothing else. Like, they even talk about the ship taking off and, like, the whole thing. But in Planet Hulk, the Illuminati got together and said, Hulk's bad. Hulk, we're sending Hulk into space. The ship breaks down. He crash lands on a planet. He ends up running the planet because of his insane anger. Like, I'd say two things happen out of that, but I wouldn't even count it because it's he wasn't sent. He chose to leave. 
And the gladiator scene, he didn't end up ruling the place. He just ended up being like this praised gladiator. Like it, it again, it's, it's like the concept was taken from that, but it wasn't the story. It's not the story that you're used to. And the other thing I want to point out that that was really interesting that Thor Ragnarok did was saying like, look, we know you love Valkyrie. Here's what the Valkyrie, you know, is, and they end up killing her and then bringing in a whole new Valkyrie and yeah. still still retaining the essence of the character but visually it's a whole different character it's a whole visual and a whole new visual medium for the character by casting uh tessa tessa thompson um so in in that case i i think it's like that's marvel's way of saying like and that's what that's what i personally enjoy is like here's what you know of the character and then you see the character getting killed and it's like, okay, just to let you know, we know you know this is the character, and I've said this before on the podcast, but this is what we're doing. And in the end, you end up loving Valkyrie so much because she she eats like she ends up taking control of a lot of scenes she's in. She's fun, she's a great character, and yeah, it's just a joy to watch her do her thing. Tessa, if you're watching, I am single and ready to mingle. <laughs> uh tessa is wow she's fine um yeah but that uh that valkyrie is fun and it's different and the one in the comics you know i don't know anything about her i'm sure she's awesome but she seems like she's a very similar character to thor and to lady sif so it's like we're good let's let's color outside the lines a bit and still give the fans the characters they want but let's let's spice things up. And, you know, thanks to that, we also have Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Like, how great is that? You know? Exactly. Yeah, we have, like, a very young Aunt May. And, and again, it speaks to just the contemporary world of Marvel, speaking to, you know, what a family could look like today. Is like, yeah, you're going to have a young aunt. It's, it's possible. You know, like, all these things, mm-hmm. right? So... Yeah, 100%, man. I just think that it, I think what if is just the massive expression of, you know, you think you know what Marvel is, but, you know, what if this happened? What Here's what we could do if this happened. And now, it's just kind of that fun ride of, of that. Yeah. And I guess you, it, I, I think it gets people creatively thinking because now there I, I'm sure there are a lot of kids who are like, oh, I want to see a what if with this question. And then they start asking each other what the consequences would be. Um, now, the the biggest question uh, in light of very recent events now, Ryan, is do you think uh, that we will finally get to see Marissa Tomei's Aunt May cross paths with Rosemary Harris's Aunt May? And they have themselves a nice little chat. And she's like, I'm just a young aunt taking care of my son. And Rosemary's like, May is that an angel? <laughs> I believe there's a hero in all of us. Peter. Oh my god, your impression of that that little speech is hilarious. Um, so yeah, I mean, first of all, guys, breaking news during the time of this recording, yesterday the Spider-Man trailer finally dropped uh, after. Much debate, and and I said this on a stream today, so I'm going to say it now. This is on you, Sony. You dropped the ball on this one. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. You had a Spider-Man week. You had a whole Spider-Man week, and you introduced Venom 2. 
when everyone wanted Spider-Man No Way From Home. It was the perfect time. Spider-Man week. On Spider-Man day, you could have dropped the trailer. I'm sorry, you could have. I don't know what the whole back end of the whole thing is, but you could have done it. And you didn't. And then what happens? You waited too long, and eventually someone got it and leaked it. Mm-hmm. That's what happened, Sony. I'm sorry, Sony. I'm sorry. You had every you had every good intention, but and 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 their response was we didn't think they were ready yet. And I'm sorry. We've been waiting. If you watch, if you look at the Twitter chat for Spider-Man, it is absolutely hilarious. But yeah, my point is going back to your MA comment. Uh, what I do like about the show uh, is that they revisit very big scenes that we remember very fondly. Um, and I, it's kind of almost kind of like they're tackling a plot hole ish in a way. Mm-hmm. But they, but of course, they flip the script and they do all sorts of crazy things. And what I liked in this one was we got to revisit the Incredible Hulk and revisit the university, and they brought back Betty, which is pretty huge. Now I don't think that that definitely didn't sound like Liv Tyler, but it's great that they did bring back Betty because I think Betty's a big character of the Hulk, and we barely see her. And does that mean in She-Hulk or does that mean in, uh, well, I guess She-Hulk would be the only platform now at this point. Are we going to see Betty in some way, shape, or form? Oh, dude, I was so happy to see Betty Ross. That was the highlight today for me. You're right. That wasn't Liv Tyler, uh, but she was doing a pretty good Liv Tyler voice. Liv Tyler always sounds like she's she's wonder and out of breath. Bruce, look out. And this person was doing like a really great job of doing that. Um, Oh, it was it was so cool to see her, and I I think they are starting to do some things where they are reminding us of some things that happened a long time ago, because they may come into play again. Case in point, the whole Hulk thing. Like I think we're getting a lot more into the world of the Hulk stuff, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, they also revisited one of my favorite Phase One images ever, which is um, Tony sitting inside the donut. And just eating eating a crawler inside that giant donut. Uh, that, that like something about that scene in Iron Man Two. I'm like, this is beautiful. Like it just looks so crisp. And going back to that, and in the diner, it was a really nice little callback and a nice little reminder of where these people started. Um, and I think that this episode, for that reason, might be the most important we've gotten. Because it's when you ask these this type of this type of hypothetical question, typically the catalyst that changes things happens early on. Uh, so, what better place to start than this early on, uh, when everything was starting to coalesce? Like Iron Man Two was really the first movie where things started to really coalesce. Like Nick Fury is in it a bunch. Black Widow shows up. War Machine gets his thing. Uh, other than, like. Iron Man 1 was just a solo film about him. Hulk was just a solo film about him. But now things are starting to really twist together. And it's interesting that that becomes the point where they choose to add their... Again, I don't know if the catalyst happened here because it seems like it happened years ago when Hulk died. But I really like that that's the point in time where they start twisting things around because it's when everybody came together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, no, it's... 
it's definitely interesting how they did that. And I agree with you. It's, it's nice to see them revisit the iconic donut sitting in the donut scene. I'm a big fan of Iron Man too. I actually still, still love it a lot. Um, yeah. And, uh, here's something interesting I have to add on this is, and especially you as a writer, I, I definitely want to pick your brain about this is the other interesting thing that because we live in this, what if world, um, this episode was fairly dark. This whole episode is like, what if the Avengers didn't exist? Like what would, what would happen? Um, which was kind of interesting to see. And here's, here's the interesting thing is that, you know, when widow, you know, when widow died in Endgame, right. That was like, like, as far as we know, widow's out, like widow's mm-hmm. gone, you know? And now, in this particular episode, they killed off a lot of characters. Like, they killed off Iron Man, they killed off Hulk, they killed off Thor, um, they killed off Hawkeye. And it's crazy, too, because what this teaches me in What If, if we're kind of, I I feel like we kind of set the theme here in in the opening line, um, is... uh, the the interesting thing is that can are are we to get ready for some other major characters being killed off like for realsies or in what if for realsies like because i feel like the whole point of what if is to teach us you know the the whole infinite possibilities thing and like like you got to think of like what game of thrones did to to television with with killing off characters that you'd root for right like, yeah. do you feel as a writer like that, like, is are, are we as an audience getting ready for, like, potentially other characters being killed off? I hope so, because the writer part of me, I really hate it when, uh, and I hear this a lot whenever I hear people talking about comics in particular, and I hear people say it quite a bit with Star Wars, too, uh, where they say, nobody ever really dies in comics. And it's true, you know, Superman dies and a year later. Feige did say that about the MCU. He said no one ever really dies in the MCU. Yeah, you're right. Feige brought that up. And I, that, um, that mentality doesn't sit well with me uh, because what that tells me is don't worry, kids, there's no stakes here. Uh, Which seemed, I think that was the, the motto written on the wall of the room where they wrote the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so, uh, and it, it does not make for good storytelling in my humble opinion. Uh, so as much as I love Natasha, her dying is a big moment and it's an important moment. As much as I love Yondu, him dying is a big moment and an important moment. And if they were to undo either of those, if Yondu is to be like, I'm back everybody. They're like, oh my God, how did you come back? And he's like, I don't know, nanites or something. I I would be really upset because I'd be like, you wasted a beautiful moment. Um, and that we spent you, a lot of time on. We spent a lot of time on that was in my, like, I think one of the most powerful endings of any MCU movie is Yondu's funeral. Uh, and you took that and you kind of threw it in the garbage and you made it irrelevant. Don't do that, please. <laughs> so... Yes, to answer your question, I I hope we are being steered in the direction that somebody else could go next. And I I think, and it's not even because of what happened in this episode, but I think the next big character to go is in the movies is going to be Hank Pym. I just feel like that's, 
it just feels right. It feels like that's a solid, you know, I'm, if Vegas odds say the Reaper is eyeing him next. What do you think? I, who, who, you might be right, but I don't think you're aiming at the right character. I don't Ooh. think, I don't think Hank Pym's going just yet. Um, I actually think Thor is going. Wow. That's a great guess. Yeah. And the only evidence I have for that is the, the whole gore, the God butcher thing. I, I think that I, I, if I'm not mistaken in that one, he, I don't know if he dies per se, can't remember my brother read the comic so this is definitely on him um him being the whole outer space mm-hmm. uh and cosmic stuff but uh if i'm not mistaken you know i'm gonna text him and we'll see if he gets back to me <laughs> during the podcast but yeah i'm not sure if thor dies but my guess is is i think i think thor may die in in thor love and thunder That's because very- you know part of part of love is lost right yeah and if Jane is, in fact, the new Thor, which she pretty much is, then what better way to pass the Mjolnir than to just be like, all right, this is yours now. I'm dying. Um, wasn't there, in the first Thor, wasn't there that scene where, like, Jane almost dies or he almost dies and then, like, love, like, one of them kisses the other and then the person who's dying so- gets... Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. I, I see what you're doing here. You're going to test my movie knowledge, and I, I'm going to I'm going to prove to you guys. I'm going to flex my Marvel yes. nerdiness. You guys ready for this? And so, tell me the the time code of the movie at which point that it happened. <laughs> that's that's not happening. <laughs> um, but in the 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 third act of the movie, um, Loki sends the destroyer into the town, and Thor decides to play the diplomatic card. When Odin, even if Odin were alive, would, would be like, no, this is not where you'd be diplomatic. This is the war has come to you. You 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 do your thing, right? But no. But yes, he plays the diplomatic card and he tries to appeal to Loki's better half. And um and the destroyer just like essentially backhands him and he goes flying, and because he's mortal, that blow potentially kills him. Um mm-hmm. and uh, he's lying there on the ground, and he's he's just like and then and and then like Natalie comes in and she's all like no and she's just like they're like trying to hold her back and she's like I love you like kind of like attitude and then the hammer flies out and then comes to him and he grabs it and turns him right because that was a, a selfless it's a selfless act what he did and that makes him worthy so Mjolnir comes back and, and saves him okay yeah so that's even better than what I thought it was um, so I, I think that that's what I would do if I was, if, if, if you were my boss and you were like, Andrew, Thor's got to be the next to go. Be like, okay, sir, I'm, th- this is how it's going to go down. And it would be a very similar thing. I would make it mirror part one, except this time, um, you know, instead of Mjolnir coming to him, it's him giving it to her. It's him kind of being like, she's you know it's like a like a luke darth vader moment like take my hammer but you'll die it's too late for that just just take my hammer you you need it more than i do well we've had a in and if we also play out Endgame, um uh the the scene where he's got the 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 stormbreaker and thanos is like pushing it into his chest and he's he's about to be like killed uh the hammer rises and instead of going to him it goes past him 
and Cap catches it. So mm-hmm. do you think this is going to be like the third times, you know, Thor isn't going to survive and then Jane Foster is going to get it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. But I think it'll be volunt- It'll be Thor's decision. It won't be the hammer doing it of its own accord. Oh. Um, I think Thor will have reached a level of wisdom that he will make that choice because um, that's a very Odin thing to do. And I think if Thor's going to die, his last moment should be Odin-esque because at that point he will have come full circle. So he'll be like, yeah, you have Mjolnir Mjö now. This is yours. And Darcy's like, I still haven't found my iPod, guys. Um, <laughs> and then Thor 5 will be all about Natalie. Maybe. I think so. I mean, in my mind, I know the way I see it is, is Thor going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because he goes with the Guardians? And if Thor, does Thor Love and Thunder take place after that? And then it's kind of like, you know, fill in the gap and everything's all put together. I don't know. I have a feeling Guardians 3 is going to take place much later. Um, just because it's coming out much later. But who knows? Yeah. They, the timeline has, has always been a little sketchy. And I don't think Marvel's ever made anything official in regards to it. Because it's it's really just been like, you know... Captain America 1 is the first and then Captain Marvel is set in the 90s and everything else just kind of happens <laughs> like present day. Yeah, yeah, just... uh, yeah, it's all just a cluster at that point. Um, so with these what if deaths that we got today, tell me how you felt about the Hulk dying. <laughs> I know where you're going with it. The Hulk exploded. <laughs> Out of all the deaths, I think he had it the worst. Um you know, to make your heart grow, like, I don't know how many times its size, uh, to pump that kind of blood. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I mean, he he exploded people in a Disney movie. I didn't think they would ever go that way. And not only did they, like, not try, not only did they not do the Disney thing where they usually pan away at the moment where it's like he's about to explode. No, they kept that camera on the whole time. <laughs> and they played it out. And it's just like, <laughs> and everyone's just like, and then we, the viewers, are like, I thought Betty Ross was going to be covered with like detritus. <laughs> like there was going to be meat all over her. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I thought like she'd be covered in like green blood or something. Like, I don't know, but yeah, I, they went there, man. Like, that's all I got to say. They went there. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Even, even with Iron Man, it was still a pretty gruesome death. Um, the only, I'd say the only person who had the, I think the deaths were like, from bad to like subtle, you know, like Iron Man got it pretty bad. You know, he gets he gets the needle and he starts, you know, having a reaction and he dies um, to a Hulk exploding and to to uh, to Thor getting an arrow in the chest, which, you know, yeah, yeah, that's it's the quickest that. one. Yeah, that's the quickest one to, to Hawkeye just appearing dead. Like, you know, the first two are pretty intense, I have to say. You know what, what it reminded me? It reminded me of something that Disney did um, back in the 90s that when I was a kid really scared me for like a split second. Uh, did you ever watch The Return of Jafar? 
I have seen it. I can't recall any scenes from it, but I have seen it. Yes. Yeah, you're not missing much. Don't worry. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's one. It was a like a direct to video, direct to VHS sequel, and they also use it as like a backdoor pilot for the Aladdin cartoon. But there was a point in Return of Jafar because Jafar is a big old genie. And he's really powerful, right? And everybody's like, how do we kill this guy? Like, he's he's a genie. He can do anything. And there's one point where the regular genie, the good genie, um, uses his shape-shifting powers and he pretends to be Aladdin. And then Jafar grabs him. Jafar is gigantic. So he grabs him in, like, one hand and starts squeezing him. And when he squeezes him, the disguise kind of gets blown uh, and he kind of puffs out and goes back into the genie. But there's a split second where you see, like, we, the audience, don't know that the genie has pulled this trick. So I, little Andrew saw what looks like Aladdin being squeezed until he got so puffy he turned blue. And I was like, oh, that's what happens when you can't breathe. And I thought I was watching Aladdin die until, like, the genie was like, hey, it's me. Um, but that's, I was like, thanks Disney. That that's, I have a little scar now. Uh, and that's what this Hulk thing reminded me of, uh, except the Hulk actually did explode. And that was for realsies. And that, I like that they took it dark. Um, they actually, did you notice the, at the beginning of the episode, they had like a little disclaimer. Um, and they do this a lot on Disney plus, but this one was a little bit different. I, it caught my eye and it said, uh, like, viewer warning whatever it said you know flashing lights may cause photosynthesis seizures uh, i think they do that a lot in animated ones but then it also said episode contains violence and very coarse language and i was like huh okay there was there was not a single word nobody was salty this whole episode i was expecting them to like when I saw that, I was expecting, okay, are they going to like show the scene from Age of Ultron where Tony's like, shit, and then Cap gives him shit? But no, nothing. They, there was no, I don't know what was going on. Somebody at Disney Plus dropped the ball. They made me expect to swear, and I got disappointed. You know, though, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who swore. Nobody. I don't know. I don't even I think don't anybody know. said hell. I don't know. But uh, on a side note, though, I just remembered that Coulson's back. Mm-hmm. And we love Coulson, actually. I do love Coulson in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'll tell you why. Um, the reason being is that uh, it was fun to watch him recruit each character in, in their own way, shape, and form. I, I, I miss that kind of narrative, um, and I, I kind of want to see it again in a new way. Uh, but I doubt I doubt we're going to see anything like it. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I do remember some very extreme violence. But and Widow, man, I love the fight scenes in this this show. Mm. It's, Widow is just violent as hell. Just like those punches. Oh my god, I was I was living for every single one. Just like you know, just like taking them out. She turned that guy's neck into a punching bag. That whole truck scene. Oh my god, yes, in the best way. And it's always nice to see. Brock Rumlow just continue to get hurt and beat up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, but again, I, I like seeing revisiting villains. I, 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 you know, it's funny, you know, cause you were talking about earlier, you're not, a, you're not a fan of the idea that like there's, there's no stakes when characters don't really die. 
Um, but I think Kevin, Kevin being the cheeky Kevin that he is, um, they can die, but because there's a multiverse, they never really die because you'll eventually see your character, the character you like again in some way, shape or form. Right. Yeah. And if we see them sporadically in that way, shape and form, you know, if we get the alternate Tony and the alternate Natasha, fine. Um, and I think the idea of, you know, Black Widow having her own whole movie that was a flashback, great, because that gives us more of this person we love without undoing the big story death that drove everything forward. So, well, you look at Gamora, right? Like, because Gamora, Gamora got resurrected technically. Yeah, she did. They, and it took, and same with Loki, and it took all this time travel to do that. Um, now that's not ideal for me but i mean they did such a great job with loki that i'm like okay it's uh it's more than just a cheap cop out uh now we'll just have to wait and see what they do with gamora but uh i don't want them to go back to that well too often let's let's keep those the only two who get a uh get out of jail free card here you get a jail free card yeah I mean, yeah, no, it's, ah, man, it's, it's interesting stuff, but it was, it was a good show. Overall, I'll, I'll sum up by saying this. Cause I mean, you know, you can only with these, what if shows, I'm not going to lie. You can only talk about so much. Yeah. Um, in terms of content, because again, we're, we're in the realm of new stuff. Like I like that they're going into unique places. Um, I think that I actually misguessed the villain at one point. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, it's ghost. Because I'm like, the ghost was the only person I could think of that was, you know, invisible and could do some stuff and, you know, kind of play around with that. But then I and then I immediately changed my answer near the end there. But uh, I thought it was really interesting how dark the show could get because it just demonstrates the level of storytelling they can do, um, not only with the What If series, but with potentially other things. Yeah, they got a lot of cards in their deck now. So do you do you think that l- let's say that this whatever universe this particular episode took place in in which mm-hmm. Hope worked for Shield and died and then Hank went nuts and killed all the Avengers do you, let's say it's called Universe H all yeah. right do you think we will see another what if episode or another maybe even scene in a movie that takes place in Universe H specifically. Uh I if it's kind of like a never tell me the odds, I think there is a possibility, but it's extremely slim. Something really big has to happen. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Like it has to be something, you know, it would have to be sort of a continuation of okay, now that the Avengers aren't there besides Cap, um what you know what threats are going to be altered and you know what's going to be different what if he uh he, you know he can't stop thanos on his own what then right and, and i mean captain marvel shows up for a wee bit maybe they team up they have i don't know i feel like there's something there's something about this episode that stands apart from the first two that feels like there's more to this story than we got um, i feel like they're kind of alluding to there will always be avengers mm-hmm yeah, like it seems like the kind of moral of the story is that there will always be Avengers because Avengers represent hope. Um, the interesting thing is, is that at this point, from what we know, 
the Avengers are done. Like his cap's gone, Iron Man's gone, Thor is off world. Um and I think Far From Home kind of addresses that. Is like, you know, we have this problem and then Spider-Man goes through the roster of like why can't X Y and Z do it? And yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of a reminder is like the world will always need Avengers. And here's here's another thing I want to bring to light as well. Um the other reason why, you know, Uwatu does what he does, he talks about how it'll never interfere. It's not it's not his job to interfere. But in the Fantastic Four, especially in the cartoon, is the one I'm gonna remember the most, because I've never read that many comics about the Fantastic Four. But in the cartoon, Uwatu tells a story. And at the end of the story, his warning was Galactus is coming. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this might draw the same conclusion as we talked about earlier is, you know, Galactus is coming or um, maybe he's, maybe it's the Cree, it's a secret invasion. Like who knows? Um, it's, it, but I feel like Uwatu is telling the story because there's, there's a warning or a message coming with it. I agree. I think you don't hire Jeffrey Wright to just, narrate and say the same four lines every episode um mm. there there's more to uatu did you find it creepy that he's like giant and in the stars watching over everything like we saw I this love that image oh my god is isabella was even saying it she's like that's just beautiful like mm-hmm. that is like and i agree i love seeing that kind of silhouette of him in the stars and like you see with the, the eyes it is creepy yeah it's kind of it's kind of weird it's like giant baby in space kind of thing yeah. but but I love how ominous it is. Like, it's just so, uh, it's so cool. Like, it's the desert ominous. shot was really nice. Yeah, because Uatu never looks happy. He just yeah. always looks neutral. He, he looks a little bit perturbed, but not like, grr. You know, he's just kind of staring down. Like, so to see that image, it's like, you know that whatever world he's looking at is probably not, gonna do well for itself right like uh if if there's a a a paradise multiverse where all the avengers are fine and nothing bad happened i don't think uatu looks in that direction too often so you won't see him looming in the scar in the stars over there so yeah you're right it is very ominous and it uh that that lended more credence to the fact that this just felt different than the first two and i don't know it, it feels like they're they're pointing at something here and i don't know what it is and maybe it's nothing um all i know is the, the aunt may's got to get in a room and talk that's what it's all boiling down I, to well i i i'm gonna leave it on that note for you because i think we definitely need to address something that's spider-man trailer yeah. <laughs> well i don't think we could do this what if episode without talking about this spider this spider-man trailer because like <laughs> what what happened oh my god Oh boy. I think for me, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when it ended, I was like, God damn, I really wish I didn't know about Doc Ock before I watched this. Here's the thing. Okay. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying. Um, it was nice to see Alfred Malona in full Doc Ock mode and, and saying hello, Peter was, <laughs> it was perfect. Um, I think in this instance, that's that's like the smallest surprise that we're gonna get. <laughs> like on the scale of surprises, 
and and I'm gonna say there's gonna be probably a lot in this movie. It's, this is like this is barely scratching the surface. I don't, even Tom Holland said what you saw in the trailer is the tip of the iceberg, and like I that gets me excited, but at the same time I'm like. This you're kind of primed now. You're primed. You're expecting something now. Not even that I'm expecting things. Like I'm trying to keep my mind neutral. I'm still holding on to that hobgoblin theory I told you about, just just because I like it. But it's not even a sense of expectations at this point. It's a sense of if what we saw in that trailer was the tip of the iceberg. How, like this movie needs, and I'm not even saying this to be facetious because everybody knows what my tastes are, but this movie needs to be seven hours long to make everything fit. Uh, so I'm just, I'm baffled. I have no idea how they're going to do this. I will say I I have seen a lot and not like, not like I haven't like watched the videos, but I've seen like images and like headlines and stuff like that. But I've seen a lot of like dissections of the trailer and like people like people use like editing software to kind of like light brighten certain things to get a better look. And then people are taking certain things into context to, to make things look like something else. Oh, man, I don't know how they're going to do what they're going to do. But for me, there I think even I think in, in terms of talking about the Doc Ock thing, I think on a scale of surprises, that is like that is like here's here's just a sample of the kind of surprises you're gonna get. Just a sample because it's gonna be nuts. This it's just it boggles my mind. I was talking I was talking to my my uh, brother in law um, about this too, and he was saying he was saying he doesn't think it's Doctor Strange in in the trailer. That's not the real Doctor Strange. Ooh, he was acting was a, a little off. I also agree that it, it's different, but he is a jokester. Like Doctor Strange is the jokester. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of a, you know, he, the, the jokes he had in uh, Infinity War were actually pretty good. Um, but he also he always challenges the the rules. That was that was his thing in Doctor Strange, right? Like people, he he got frustrated because like people told him like, oh, you know, I I need to surrender control in order to get control. That doesn't make any sense. Like. He's constantly challenging. And then that's why uh, the Sorcerer Supreme, and uh, the Ancient One, sorry, introduced the Mirror Dimension was because he was just getting so far ahead of himself that he needed that that thing. I think it very much is Doctor Strange, personally. I think that, um, I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't think it's Loki. Um, I, I do agree that potentially, I think, as Doctor Strange was doing the spell, when Loki did his thing that caused the whole spell to break. The events of Loki affected the spell. Interesting. Okay. That would be really cool. That, I like that a lot. Um, because, because the whole thing about Loki was there's a timeline, right? Yeah. One, one timeline. That's it. The sacred timeline. And Loki broke that. Like Loki literally shattered it and it literally like branched off in the thousand things. So the whole spell was to rewind the whole spell was to like rewind the moment and like make everyone forget. And if Loki breaks the sacred timeline, then you can't just rewind and expect to land back where you're supposed to land. Right. Yeah. Like literally, cause you're not, you're on a whole different branch. Yeah. And that part of uh, that little scene in the trailer in the beginning, 
it made me really like, uh, it made me feel sad because I was like, I don't want MJ and Aunt May and uh, to forget that he's Spider-Man. Like, I, I, I don't want to undo that. So the second Strange started doing that spell, I'm like, no, 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 stop. This is bad. This is going to, this is going to go wrong. Uh, so they already got me hooked in that regard. And then obviously with the spell going wrong, I feel like <laughs> the Multiverse of Madness movie is just going to be cleanup of all this mess. Uh, and then there's the question of, can it be cleaned? And what does the world look like after that? Uh, do you think when Wong steps out with his suitcases, do you think he's going to go fight Abomination in Shang-Chi? Do you think that's where he's going? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, to be fair, I don't know. I don't think, I personally don't think so though. Um, what I have heard and I, I, I don't know, I don't want to set up any expectations. So, um, all I will say is there's a lot of, there's a lot of talks about Shang-Chi, like a lot mm-hmm. of talks. And I will not say what it is about. I will not give you any clues or details, but all I will say is there's a lot of talks about it. Um, to enough where it, it shocked the audience is what I'm hearing. So, oh, neat. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to ruin it for you, and I don't want to set up any expectations. Yeah. So it, all you know is the audience is shocked, and that's uh, where I'm going to leave you with it. Mephisto confirmed. I read you. I'm reading between the lines. It was, You know, it's funny because they mentioned uh, the devil in in this show of What If, and I'm like, oh, Mephisto confirmed. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's not... I don't know, man. I don't think we're ever going to see Mephisto, you know, I, okay. Yeah, no, I, I think the odds of, I think the odds of seeing Mephisto are like slim to none. Um, the odds of a ref, a vocal reference is a little higher. Yeah, definitely a vocal reference will happen. I don't know. I'm still pulling for, um, he is the rabbit. He's Agatha's rabbit. Cause that rabbit was somebody. Um, and the orange magic that surrounded the dark hold, a, it fits him and, and B that has not been explained yet. So I don't know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not holding my breath for it, but they pointed to it many times. And if, if the rabbit is not him and if the orange magic is not him, then it's like, who else could that possibly be? All right. So yeah. no, I, I, I just, I, I think the reference is there, but I don't think we'll ever see him. It would be an interesting choice to kind of make him unseen. Like if they're just like, look, there's this guy who does stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm really curious what Multiverse of Madness will show us that will make it different from, say, you know, No Way Home. Because if No Way Home is about like literally these multiverses meeting, what is that going to be about to make it different? Is it going to be the same thing? But it's just like there's nine different versions of Doctor Strange. Like what's what's going to go on in that film? So. I think the theme of the film is that there's nothing to you, you can't go back. There's no going back. Mm. Can't can't reverse what's happened. There's only going ahead. And uh, I think by trying to go back, that's obviously going to be the story. But I think the the more they try to go back, the more damage they do, and that's why we see who we see. I'm what I'm curious about with Doc Ock with Doc Ock being in the picture. Is it his world's Doc Ock now realizing that the, the other versions of him, like is is the multiverse mentally connected, right. or I like I don't know, like or is he 
exactly being pulled from Spider-Man 2 and put in that world. That's right. And like, if it's the second one, does that mean we're seeing like bits and pieces of Spider-Man 2? Like that, again, you need seven hours to tell this story. (laughs) So I don't know what they have planned. I don't know how they plan to do it, but I, you know, I'm just, I'm trusting them at this point. That's all I can do is, 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 they've earned it. They've earned your trust, sir. And if it is in fact, the Sinister Six movie, you, you don't make a short movie for Sinister Six. You just don't. So we'll see what happens. I just want Kingpin. That's all I care about. Put him in there, put him in the white suit. He can he can be doing something bad and Aunt May can be like, shame on you. And uh, that, that'll be, I can die happy at that point. I I need definitely Kingpin and Daredevil. I definitely need them just in some way, shape or form. Just give me the actors in their roles, in respective roles. Even if it's just to say hi, I don't care. Just let them, just let them appear because that means mm. the potential is there yeah. and it could be a fun ride. Fun fact, actually, the scene where he's being interrogated, people are saying, like, if you freeze the frame at the right specific time, you see that that's Matt Murdock walking in. I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it. That guy looks nothing like Matt Murdock. Some other people said, like, look at this dark blur. It's the lizard. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's the one I was talking about. The guys, like, the one one hot headline I saw was they showed an image, and it was like, it was like they upped the brightness, and then it looks like they kind of just cropped the lizard into the image like it's terrible uh, no that that uh that trailer definitely took the world by storm and i think for me at least the question that that trailer posed is not what's going to happen but how it's going to happen that's not like i just am from a movie making standpoint i'm like how is john watts going to do this and make it a good movie that's that's what it left me with. I don't know, but I know that I'm excited for him to do the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Same. Because if think he can he's do, the only person who could do it. Oh, if if he can do this kind of bananas stuff with Spider-Man, imagine what he can do with them. All right. 100%. So we're, we're we're in good hands. We are in good hands. So Ryan, where can people find you when you're not pondering the question what if? As always, you can find me on uh, twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. You can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online. If you want to just get get in touch with my personal life a little bit, you can join me at Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. Beautiful. And you can find me on Instagram and sometimes Twitter at Andrew Fantasia and uh, on the Rebelscom Podcast Network here where you can find me talking about the Star Wars and the Marvel with Mr. Ryan here. And you can also find me on my Andrew Fantasia channel where I just recently did a uh, series of video essays about Fast and the Furious. And oh, I'm, <laughs> thank you. And I, I, I wish I could say I'm resting on my laurels now, but I'm not because I have to crank out my uh, retrospective of James Bond uh, because James Bond now has a release date that's around the corner. And uh, I need to get those videos out in time to count down to it. So pray for me because that's going to take a while. But I find it interesting that within pretty much a month, both the MCU and James Bond will be releasing their 25th movies. Shang-Chi is movie 25. Oh, my God. 
No Time to Die is maybe 25. Isn't that crazy? It took James Bond 60 years to do what Marvel did in like 13 years. It almost half that time. <laughs> uh, or actually a little more than that. But but um, I will say also, uh, guys, like uh, listeners out there, this last four months is going to be nonstop epic films. Okay. You have Shang-Chi. You have, uh, you have uh, James Bond. You have Ghostbusters. You have um, you Dune. have Dune. It's just wall to wall, intensely amazing, epic movies. It's going to be nuts. So please, for the love of God, Delta, go home. Take your ball and go home. We don't want you ruining this for the rest of us. Uh, but in the meantime, that has been Infinity Rewatch. I have been Andrew. He has been Ryan. You have been beautiful. Please, everybody, don't. Uh, open a rift in the multiverse because that's bad. Thank your Aunt May for those wheat cakes and have a marvelous day. <laughs>